You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm Liz, your host today. My guest is Jeroen Wittflit, a master's student in fine arts at UVic. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, it's nice to have you in the studio because we've not really had any uh, fine arts people here. There have been very few and far between. You are, um, you are doing your master's in fine arts, is that yes, correct? Yes, I would say I mainly do painting, yeah. yes. Yeah. I looked on the web at some of the stuff that you do, um, and I think it was mostly paintings that I was yes. looking at. Sort of, um, yeah, beautiful stuff. I, I really enjoyed uh, it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, um, because I haven't talked to a lot of people who've, who've done um, like graduate studies in fine arts, mm-hmm. what, uh, what does it really entail for, um, for like an artist? And how does it differ from, say, like uh, undergraduate studies? I think it is a furthering of your practice where it becomes a bit more insightful. Um, like for two years, you're really focused on trying to develop even further what your practice could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just technical, it's a lot to do with the ideas. Trying to figure out what you're all about mm-hmm. and how to communicate that with other people. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a two-year intensive focusing on who you are as, a, as an artist and developing a good uh, skill set. Hmm. That sounds extremely intense, the d- finding out who you are over two it years. It is, yes. <laughs> well, you could make it very intense, and I think that's what it's supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. that you're really confronted with um, the value of your ideas, what you have to communicate, and how to do that in such a way that it actually makes sense to somebody who isn't you. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? How do you sort of, is it trial and error, and what are you doing to try and develop that? Oh, I think everybody has their own approach, uh, different ways of doing it, but... For me, it is just delving deep, really looking at the ideas you have, try to figure out where they come from, what their merit is, um, and then trying to find, in my case, a strong visual language which will communicate those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it differs per person, but for me, it's uh, it's really focused on the conceptual side and then trying to figure out if those ideas make sense. And how do you translate it into paint? Hmm. So what kind of ideas are you trying to convey? Depends. There's a few different things um, which seem to be consistent. Um, I think it is trying to address the times we live in by looking at history, realizing that history is also something which isn't something solid. It changes constantly. Um, The way I look at it, the way we interpret it, and not per se making predictions in the work of how the world could be going in what direction, but there seems to be some sort of indication that I'm, I'm trying to work with what could possibly happening mm-hmm. based on past events, uh, which sounds very abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you talking like environmentally or socially? More sociopolitical. I'm really interested in how people deal with other people. Hmm. And mainly when it becomes about people are marginalized. Mm-hmm. And um, well, at least that's what I'm working on right now. So you're looking at a group of people who, who might be prosecuted, what the reasons for that prosecution is, um, historically, but also looking at more recent times and what's happening today. But then finding a language for it, which is fairly ambiguous, 
that I'm not spelling out, oh, I'm making reference to this and this event and I'm making a judgment of that. I'm just trying mm. to figure out if I communicate what human nature is in that respect and why we we respond to people in a different way. Mm. Uh, do you have personal reasons for being drawn to that kind of subject matter or is it just something that just generally interests you? It probably always is personal, mm-hmm. I think. Um, over time, there is this uh, this realization that that when you grow up, there's just certain things you're more interested in. And for me, it, it has been history um, and the consequences of political action uh, towards other people. And maybe growing up in Europe has something to do with that, mm-hmm. that I became a bit more aware of the landscape I was living in and seeing that um, what had happened in fairly recent times still made a mark on the landscape. So that's that's kind of how the work started out. What is still visible in the landscape? And uh, how, do you, how do you communicate that? Or is it even necessary to communicate that? Like, what is the value of that anyway? It's, it's everywhere. And then over time, you start seeing that history doesn't... It's, it's being reinterpreted, but at the same time, it seems to be repeating itself in different forms or shapes. And technology changes the way we, we do things, but ultimately it's still one person or one group of people inflicting some form of violence mm-hmm. onto another group of people or individual. So, yeah, I'm not 100% certain why I'm so interested in that, but it, it seems to be mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of the show is we talk about how people came to doing what they are doing now. So mm-hmm. maybe you can talk about your educational journey. Did you go straight through school or do other things in between? How did it work oh. for you, I guess? <laughs> after high school, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, after high school, I, 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 I actually went to uh, uh, Willem de Koning Academy in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, I did my BFA there four years, and in the final year I got a chance to go to Emily Carr for an exchange and actually picked up film studies there, so I did that for a while. Um, yeah, I got my BFA, started working in a studio for a few years, and eventually decided I needed to go back and be challenged again mm-hmm. instead of just being in a studio by myself and showing work on occasion. Um, but I needed a critical discourse at least uh, where I could be really engaged with and not once a week, but preferably every day. And a master's program does do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when you're talking about being in a studio, are you talking about you were doing things related to the, f- the film uh, studies that you did or was this, um, what were you doing? Um, probably all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the dominant part of my practice is painting and drawing. Um, but there is also video work and sound pieces, which I do. So studio time basically means that you're developing mm-hmm. whatever you're working on. Mm-hmm. Most of the times there's a painting I'm working on or a number of different paintings. Uh, and sometimes studio time outside of the studio is in in uh, like video editing suites or something like that. Mm-hmm. But studio practice to me means that you're working fairly independent solitary in a, in a confined space for a while trying to work through your ideas mm-hmm. and come up with something is it difficult as an extreme extrovert i'm asking <laughs> what's it like <laughs> doing all this solitary studio hours working through your ideas is it difficult to get out of your head sometimes or yeah no i never get out of my head yeah i've given up on that that escape doesn't happen mm-hmm. um which is also 
I think for me good because it drives my practice. I constantly think about what I'm doing mm -hmm. and trying to justify that point, but also trying to amass new ideas and, and relate them to old ideas and see if I can get something else out of that. Um, yeah, this my practice is very solitary. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it has social aspects as well. When sometimes I have to interview people because I'm interested in their stories and work with that. Mm -hmm. So you go outside of your studio and you can make it very social if you want to, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, it's just when it comes down to time painting and working, that's what I do by myself. Mm -hmm. Did you always want to be an artist? No, I just wanted to grow up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still not very successful at it. So how did you wind up then going to just going into art school? If it if it wasn't something that you actively thought like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm going to be an artist, then what sort of pushed you in that direction? It, I think it was a logical conclusion. I was interested in a lot of different things. And the art seemed to be the only field where I could do anything. Mm-hmm. If I was interested in history or sociology or biology, I can I can use it if I want to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's the, that's the beautiful thing about being an artist. If you pick a certain subject or you're interested in something, nobody tells you not to, mm -hmm. and you can work with it. Um, so I couldn't see myself just focusing on one particular practice or job mm -hmm. that would work very well. Right. But you must have had some sort of natural talent, though, that would enable you to go and do this. Or did you just start with a completely blank slate and then developed skills from there? No, I think with most people, when you're younger, you you create things. Mm -hmm. As a child, you do that anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't discouraged in my case. It was just that I felt that people were okay with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So nobody ever told me not to do it, mm -hmm. which was nice. And it made sense to me to just keep creating in whatever form that took. Um, to me, it is also like being younger, going for a long walk and constructing things somewhere and nobody else would see it, but it feels good to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you just leave it and who knows, you mm -hmm. know, it, it creates something. So I didn't really um, go in, into, uh, yeah, into arts, just, it, yeah, it was natural basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so after Emily Carr, were you, you were working as an artist for a while? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Can you maybe compare a little bit between being a working artist and now doing your master's? And I mean, obviously it's different, but... Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it is different because now I get out of the studio and there's people I can talk to and just, you know, say I'm working on this or that. And then it makes uh, makes for good communication or at least a conversation which is interesting, which you learn something from. If you're working in a studio, most of the feedback comes, either you invite people into your studio, like friends or, or critics, or you wait for an exhibition and then you get feedback. Mm -hmm. Is the feedback different from, say, coming out of the studio in the university environment and talking to people who are uh, maybe working and talking about things rather than doing an exhibition and then just hearing from people who are there to just sort of appreciate the art? Yeah, I think in, if you have an exhibition there, are, there tends to be an understanding that what you are showing is a final product. Mm. And people respond to that. They don't really see how you got there unless you explain that to them and those questions you will get. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're working in a studio, you get friends coming in or professors and there's critiques. 
they see what you're working on. It's not per se finished work. There's openings in different places you can still go with the work and the feedback is there immediately. Mm-hmm. If you have an exhibition, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's finished. You present a body of work and then people will either make up their mind or give you feedback and will probably ask how it happened or mm-hmm. how it came to be. But it's, uh, yeah, seems more final. Mm-hmm. A poet I was interested, I was interviewing for this show, was talking about how she she is interested in doing um, a project that would sort of follow the um, the creation of poetry and all the mm-hmm. bad first drafts and all like the the anguish over like oh can I actually do this? Is this actually ever going to yeah. be anything? Um, what do you think about that process? I mean, because you sort of touched on how people come in now while you're working on things and can see the process. Um, is it important for you that anybody knows about the process or is it more important just that the final product is presented? Well, that's a difficult question, actually. Ultimately, I'm presenting something, but it's never final. It, it might look final to someone when it's when it's up. It's like, okay, this is what you have been working on, but for me, it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. The ideas keep going, the work keeps going. It's I'm still working on something else, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, it doesn't feel like an end point. It just feels like this is an exhibition or it is a display of work at this point and other people will respond to it. I will respond to the feedback most likely, mm-hmm. uh, but I keep working on other things anyway. It keeps going. There's no mm-hmm. there's no time I don't work. Right. Uh, would you go back and change pieces if you wanted to add it or change what you said at one point or you just continue working on other pieces that might be related? Work on other pieces which are related, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would not go back into to work. Mm-hmm. I make them disappear. Oh. Yeah. You make them disappear, what does that mean? Uh, they just take it off the wall and they just don't exist after that anymore. They just disappear. <laughs> so you don't go back and look at the stuff that you've already done? No. No? Why? No. They're done. Yeah. Yeah, they're up to that point. That I, because the concentration on every individual piece is so intense... Uh, when I feel that it's finished, it's finished. I don't want to revisit that particular piece, the ideas I will, mm-hmm. and work with them. And the memory of that piece when I was creating it is so strong that that's what I work with. I don't have to per se look at the piece again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, it might be for some technical issues. If there's something I managed to do in one painting and I feel like I need to do it again in another one, mm-hmm. I might look at it as a reference point, but that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about creating your own visual language to get your ideas across. Are you? Mm-hmm. Um, is it something that is unique to you, or is it something you draw on other uh, things that other people are doing to create this? Well, it's a language, so mm-hmm. you, you communicate. If you do completely what you want to do, or there's no reference in mm-hmm. one way or another, nobody would understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think painting is a good example of working in a very long tradition and you respond to that tradition, be it 500 years old or today, mm-hmm. you always feed off other artists and what they're doing. So there's this constant communication with, with recent and and more historical work going on, and I'm working in that tradition, so mm-hmm. I can't separate myself from that. And I think that feels kind of good at mm-hmm. the same time. It's The language is already there. You can just make small changes, mm-hmm. restructure it. Um, hopefully come up with something which people might have seen in one form or another but they're not quite sure hmm. 
Is it important then to have like a grasp of, I guess, art history and what people have said throughout yeah. the years? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like any other profession. You you know you're you need to know the basic language. You need to get those things sorted out. Otherwise, you know, you might once in a while make something which is interesting, but that's a fluke. Mm-hmm. And for some artists, that might work, but. So it sounds, yeah, so it's obviously very intentional for you. You're not waiting for accidental things to happen. Or do accidental things Oh, they happen all the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing. But then you recognize them mm-hmm. as something which is a bit odd. Mm-hmm. And then you start working with it. Um, do you have an example maybe of something accidental that has happened while you're painting that, or creating anything that has sort of led to something bigger? Yeah. Hmm. It, it might just be that you apply paint in a certain way, you use the wrong medium, and something starts doing things which you weren't expecting, but it actually makes sense for a next painting. Hmm. And then you just bring that forward into the other painting, and somehow that could just be technical, it could also be an idea. You just go into a studio and you're kind of sketching around, and all of a sudden something happens which was unexpected. And you recognize that that's interesting and you keep building on that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't know what it means to be unexpected because it comes from somewhere. There's a there's a history there as well. Mm-hmm. Things don't just fall out of the sky, it seems. There's something in your subconscious maybe and it comes out. And then you just have to recognize that it is something which you m- might not have done before and start working with that information, build on it. Hmm. So it's all coming from your subconscious on some level? Or your conscious or something. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from somewhere. The muse. Where I don't, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a combination. If you're so immersed in doing it, then you know those lines become very blurred. And there's some ideas which, which are definitely picked up because I recognize, say, a situation. Um, like I'm working on big pieces of, of stadiums right now. And for me, it started off with the question of what is a participant and what is a spectator. Mm-hmm. And when does that situation switch between one and the other and um, because I saw the stadium here at Juvik and people were playing sports I'm like well that's quite interesting but there's always this undertone that it could change that Mm -hmm. the spectators become participants unwillingly sometimes and I'm interested in that and then you know it's on your mind and then Mm -hmm. I thought of well you know in there are certain countries when there's political unrest they drive people into a stadium which is designed for play or sports, but they also can function as something very different. And there's there's a few examples which I've uh, I've noticed, which I was quite intrigued by. Um, when a stadium, for example, needed to be a, a safe haven, mm-hmm. it turned out to be a death trap in Yugoslavia a few years ago. Mm. Um, so the, the protection which was offered to people actually didn't work at all. And were they going there for um, because of political unrest or natural? Yeah, they were. It, it was uh, Muslim boys and and men were driven into this one stadium, which was supposed to be guarded by Dutch bats, which is a section of the Dutch um, army. And they were said, "Well, you're safe in here. If you're outside, there's a good chance that you might be prosecuted." And because they were all grouped together in there, they actually became a very easy target. Hmm. And Dutch Bat had no orders to protect them with with force. So they basically stood on the sidelines while all these, I think over 8,000 men and boys just got slaughtered. Wow. And then all of a sudden the stadium where the plays take place 
get a very different connotation. Mm-hmm. And then you look back in history and it goes back to Roman times. It wasn't the entertainment value was very different. Mm-hmm. It shifts and we and I feel that, that sports being a mass event most of the time also has that in it. What happens if something just turns with the public looking at it? Mm-hmm. Um, how easy is it when people become activated in a different way that the energy changes and they start either picking on each other or picking on person on the field? And I think that that, that mass hysteria or that mass response is, is everywhere. Mm. And in the last few years, I think we've seen it a bit more openly in, in political activism. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's basically what, what drives my work. You start recognizing these things and mm-hmm. how do you translate that into paint? Mm-hmm. Can paint even do that? Mm-hmm. And um, I think for myself, painting always fails and that's its beauty. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have to keep going with something else. It so are never you, succeeds. You're keeping going with the painting to try and achieve what you want to achieve, or you're going to go try with something else? No, stick to painting as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, uh, I think the failure is important to me. That there is no ultimate image. There is no ultimate amazing painting. It doesn't exist for me. But that also keeps driving me. Like, what if? What if you can create something and and all these things, all these ideas, somehow come together? in that one particular moment, knowing that that moment is fleeting anyway, but at least it's it existed, I guess. And so, so uh, do you think you will ever achieve that then? Have you come very close ever? No. <laughs> <laughs> Failure all the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of depressing. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's, it's a good motivator. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Trying to grasp what has yet been unachievable. What happens if you achieve it then? What happens if you get that fleeting moment? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Huh. I I know that it is not possible. Right. Uh-huh. It's uh yeah, it's good. <laughs> um. So your work is it sort of was it or has it been like a linear progression of ideas going working through things, or are you going back and revisiting stuff? And does your work sort of feed back on itself at all? Yeah, it always it, it falls back onto itself mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm. Yeah, but you recognize that later. It's like, oh, this is new. And then six months later, like, it's actually not new at all. I've been mm. tooling with this idea for a while. Mm-hmm. And I have sketches. And then you find it back. It just, it always comes back. There's this, this constant mixture. It's, yeah, I mean, as a, on the outside, it might be linear because technical changes take place. You, you know a little bit better how to manipulate certain things. And so it, it might seem linear, but at the same time, it, it there's this collapsing on top of each other all the time. It's it's not straightforward. You're not building a building. If you would be, then some things float, other things fall apart. The basement sometimes is the top. It just does that all the time. <laughs> Even though you haven't and you don't think you will achieve this perfection of ideas in paint, um, do you ever put ideas to bed completely and think I'm not revisiting that, that I'm done? I feel like I've sort of wrestled with that and come to grips with what I was thinking about. No, they're always written down. And then I will stumble across them sooner or later. That's that's just my experience. They never go away. They're there. I might not be fully aware of them, but eventually it's like, oh, right. I've seen this before. Why? Is, and, and it comes back for, for some reason, which maybe I'll never find out. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this happened where you hear something. It's like, oh, I, right. I was working or trying to work with that years back, and now it makes more sense to do that. 
Yeah, there's. It's very organic. Mm -hmm. I think the whole process. Is there anybody you gain particular inspiration from, either in your medium or in other mediums or other fields, that um, that you either maybe incorporate into your own style or, I don't know, strive to be like? Mm. Good work. I never know who makes good work. You just come across it and recognize it as being good work. So yeah, there's no particular one artist or or anything. It's just that I recognize it when things come together in it may be work of art, but it could be something else as well. Hmm. It just makes sense to me. And somehow it seems that somebody has created something which actually does make sense to me at that point. And I recognize that as being very good. So it's it's it can be stimulating. It could be too much as well. It's just wow. You know, how did it happen? But it's just constantly looking at different things and finding things of interest. And it could be purely visual, it could be musical, it could be anything. Um, I was sort of now moving into more mundane questions that I have for you. Uh, <laughs> what does, uh, what's the final project look like for, for your Masters of Fine Arts here? You do have to have a presentation of work you've made over the last two years. Um, so there will be a final presentation which is an exhibition mm -hmm. all the masters students will do one it's all at the same time um, takes different forms and shapes could be painting could be installation could be performance could be video work mm -hmm. it is your thesis basically and then you have to defend what you've just created mm -hmm. and so how do you defend it people just ask you what it means and how you yeah that you, you will sit in a room with a bunch of people um who are professionals and they will ask you questions about how, probably how you arrived at that point what the meaning of it is what ideas you want to communicate fairly straightforward questions about the practice itself and then uh, what happens after you're done? What are your plans? I have no idea. <laughs> Just see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Would you like to be a working artist again? Or are you interested in doing something like teaching? No, working artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Will you stay on the West Coast out here? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. Mm -hmm. um, because I have a bit of a base here. But at the same time... If you're a practicing artist, you have to travel. At least I feel that that's what I need to do. Go to different places and not just for getting ideas, but just to uh, to have exhibitions and see other people, see different work. Is there anywhere you want to go in particular that you would love to show your work? I haven't really thought of it. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all kind of in the future mm -hmm. by a lot. I'm just focused on what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So how much longer until you're finished then? I believe April. Oh, wow. So it's coming up. Yeah. Hmm. Do you feel ready for that end point? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I never feel ready for anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it doesn't come as a surprise. Um, I'll probably have work done and things will probably come together. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not last minute, but I, uh, yeah, I think what I said earlier too, I don't really stop. It always keeps going. So to me, it just feels like things will just keep going and I'll have work, which will go up for a week or two weeks. 
but I'll be doing other things at the same time, working on different ideas. <laughs> All right, we'll we see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're out of time. I want to thank you for being my guest today. Thank you very much. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV.